Good morning. Well, my as um, was said, my name is Jake Austin, and I um, wear a couple different hats. So I um, I pastor a small church in the city called All Saints and Sinners Church, and I also run a nonprofit called Shower to the People. Um, Shower to the People, which I'm, I think you guys have heard about before, because you guys have partnered with us before. Uh, but we run a mobile shower truck for the homeless community here in St. Louis where folks can uh, take a shower, brush your teeth, shave, get hygiene products. Um, so yeah, Kyle asked me if I would come and speak this morning. I, I'm not sure if he's on a, in the Bahamas or what he's doing right now. Uh, on, on an island somewhere maybe. Uh, but this morning, um, as I thought about you know, what I was going to talk about, usually when I go to churches I talk about my work with Shower to the People. Um, which is great. It's really good work. Uh, but as I was praying through kind of what, uh, what direction I felt like the Lord was leading for this morning, it kept coming back down to forgiveness. And I don't know if that's because I need it, and so that's why I have to preach it. Because uh, generally that's how it works with preaching. Whatever you're the worst at, that's what God wants you to preach on. Um, and, and so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I will say this past week, my family, uh, we just moved to a new house about 30 miles from the previous house. And if anyone here has recently moved, you know that sometimes uh, there comes a point in the move when you're like, we don't even need couches. They can just stay here in the old place. We don't need a washer or dryer. We don't need any of that. You become a, uh, a what do they call it, a, a minimalist pretty quickly when you're loading a U-Haul truck. So I am, I'm weary so if I fall asleep up here, I apologize. It has been a long week for me. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just talk for a little bit. Jesus, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that your ways are good. We thank you that though we live in a world where there is pain, where there is suffering, we live in a world where there is pain and suffering often inflicted by our own, Lord, I pray a prayer of thanksgiving for your goodness. Lord, that no matter what transpires on this earth, that one day you will make all things right. You will make all things new one day, Lord. Jesus, help us to remember that one day you will restore all things to their glory, Lord. Jesus, we love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. So if you turn on the TV, it's not hard to see that things are bananas, right? Now, I'm not one of those people that thinks uh, it's progressively getting worse and worse and worse. Some of you might, and that's okay. We can disagree and still be friends, right? I think it's always been bananas. I think we just have uh, the news in our pocket now so we can see it all the time, where before we couldn't see how crazy the world was. But nevertheless, whether it's getting worse or it's always been bad, things are crazy. They just are. Whether you're talking about natural disasters, whether you're talking about politics, it seems like more and more I see just how nasty we can be to each other. And I say each other, I mean humans. This morning, I want to speak specifically to Christians. So in this room, if you're not necessarily a Christian, you're welcome to listen. Uh, but I'm speaking to those this morning who would claim to be a follower of Jesus. Because honestly, as we talk about forgiveness and reconciliation, um, conflict, drama, strife 
Those things tend to happen when people are crammed together. And church is one of those spaces where people are constantly crammed together. Whether it's small groups or ministry activities or on Sunday morning, or even just being friends, because hopefully you guys like each other here. And I, I, there's, no, there's probably no conflict or drama here at Trinity, I'm sure. Uh, but church is one of the prime places that we find conflict. And I'm hopeful that through the power of the gospel, we as a church, I say we as the church universal, can continue to learn the ways of Jesus in terms of forgiveness and reconciliation. Because honestly, sometimes it seems like we take our cues from the way the world handles conflict and drama. You see, anytime I've noticed on Facebook or on TV, if you watch all the pundits and the news shows, anytime somebody says something somebody else doesn't like, they don't argue with the idea, they assassinate that person's character. So it might be some person may say, I'm for X, Y, and Z, well, you're a snowflake. Or I'm for X, Y, and Z, well, you're a bigot. It's immediately to character assassination before actually engaging in the idea or in a meaningful conversation with that other person. Viewing that other person is also made in the image of God, and the church is no stranger to this type of behavior. There's 35,000 different denominations in the church. It's proof that we're no stranger to these conflicts, these separations, if you will. And so this morning, whether you are in a mega church or a tiny church, whether you're in a high church or low church or Pentecostal or Nazarene or Orthodox or Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Anglican, or any of the above, I think our witness to the world hinges on how we approach forgiveness and reconciliation right here in these walls before we even get out into the world. Because what happens is if someone in your body or your family offends you or says something that maybe they don't like or that, that, that you, know, you don't like or maybe they're just so annoying and you can't handle it. And believe me, I know I've been in church my whole life. Some people, and we all have them, they just annoy you to no end and there's really nothing you think. There's no end in sight and you pray, Lord, please have mercy on me, a sinner. But it comes to a point where you would rather maybe find another body. You would rather leave this family to find another. And because we have 35,000 different church denominations, it's easy to find one that'll take you this morning. I can probably find 20 on Shackleford. They'll take you in this morning and give you a free travel mug with their logo on, a t-shirt. And they'll welcome you into the greener pastures. And you'll think all is well. But what happens is, is we become the ultimate consumers in terms of church. Because when someone makes us mad, or someone voted for that other person, or someone says something that we don't like, we think, I'm just going to find a different place to worship. I'm going to find a different family to be a part of, one that doesn't make me uncomfortable. And none of us are immune to this. None of us, from church leaders, to lay people, to even kids. None of us are immune to this tendency to want to just bail when things get difficult. Now, I'm not saying there aren't valid reasons for leaving a church, because there are. Bad leadership, bad theology, abuse. Like there, are all, there are so many valid reasons for leaving a church. But in my time in ministry, what I have noticed is most reasons why people split from their community usually isn't over those issues. It's usually over something interpersonal that two parties have just refused to reconcile and bring peace 
It's sad and it's unbiblical that even in the body of Christ we can play this game of division. And I think when we spend more time watching the 24-hour news cycle and less time in worship, less time in the Word, it's no wonder we're formed by the world instead of formed by Jesus. And so as we talk about reconciliation, as we talk about forgiveness this morning, it's actually a really simple process that Jesus lays out. And it's one of the only things that he lays out that there's actually like a three-step process. Everything else is kind of open to interpretation, if you will. So if you go to Matthew 18, Jesus talks about the process of reconciliation and forgiveness between two members of the body. Jesus says that if somebody sins against you, go to them. Step one, go to them. Go straight to them and point out the fault while the two of you are alone. Now that can be terrifying, depending upon the sin that was against you. I think even more terrifying for myself and maybe people younger than me, because we're so used to communicating through screens and text messages, so having actual conversations can be hard at times. But that can be very scary. But that is step one, is to actually just go to the person. Now, in this going to the person, you are going to them, hopefully not as an enemy, but as a brother or a sister, hoping to find peace. We need to listen to them. We need to pray they will listen to you when we seek forgiveness and peace with that other person. Peace that is intentional and peace that is deeply personal. Now, if you go to that person and they say, no thanks, I didn't do anything wrong, you're crazy, you know, get out of here. If no peace is achieved, no forgiveness is offered or received, then you take somebody else with you. Now, different churches play this out. Some people say it's, you take one pastor or two pastors. Some people say it's not pastors at all. To me, right for this morning, for this talk, it's kind of irrelevant. You take somebody you trust with you to go try to bring peace to this situation. And in this space where two or three are gathered, Jesus has promised to be present. Then after that, if there's still no peace has been reached, if no humility across party lines can be found, then you bring the conflict to the church. Now some churches, if you're talking about maybe the Amish or the Mennonites, it'd be up here on Sunday mornings. <laughs> they spit all your dirty laundry out in front of them. I mean, they tweet, they live tweet it to the world. I'm not sure that that's the solution, but uh, you go to your pastoral community to help try to bring peace in this situation. And so this practice, those are the three steps, right? But this practice of believers seeking reconciliation with each other, I personally believe is vital to the gospel. Because while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And if the world looks in, and what they see are people acting just like the rest of the world, why bother? I can do something else on Sunday morning, honestly. This is not an issue that we can just sweep away forgiveness, reconciliation, it's make or break to our witness in the world. Because honestly, if we, can, if we can't forgive each other in this space, in our small groups, 
in our ministries, in our churches, even in our families, if we can't forgive each other, how can we ever fulfill Christ's call to love our enemies? To forgive our enemies that Jesus teaches us. Jesus says in Matthew 6, right at the end of the Lord's Prayer, where He's teaching us how to pray. He's teaching His people how to pray. At the end, He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's terrifying. That should scare us. And I know, I know, I, and at our church, I'm not sure how Kyle does week to week. Our church, we're definitely not, you know, doom and gloom all the time. But sometimes I think we need a wake up, a bit of a wake up in our souls to realize how much emphasis and weight Jesus puts on us forgiving each other and loving each other. Jesus says, if you forgive people when they sin against you, God will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. We don't hear that verse preached often because I feel like I feel like sometimes we shy away from in ourselves talking to maybe our friends or even as pastors, priests and teachers, we shy away from saying things that are required of us as followers of Jesus. We shy away from things that are required of us to be a part of the church. And so I know as far as our church, um, I know as, and I would hope as far as Trinity goes this morning, that this practice of forgiveness and reconciliation would be a non-negotiable. This would be something that we all together have to hold ourselves accountable to. Seeking peace when there is conflict is something that we will, if practiced properly, and if sought in humility, will be a light to the world like no other light they will see. We can stand out and preach scripture. They may not understand. We can, we can uh, serve the poor. We can feed the needy. I'm all for those. I do that every day of my life. But what people will see when they look in is they will know we are Christians by our love, which starts in this room. I think often we think about our love outwards, which is very true, but they will know we are Christians by our love for each other. I've been in many churches where I know it's a room full of people just tolerating each other. It's heartbreaking and it's detrimental to the gospel. Jesus says, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. That should startle us and humble us this morning. You see, we have been called to be a people of reconciliation. Paul calls us ambassadors of reconciliation. Not only offering people the gospel, which reconciles them vertically to God, but also the gospel which reconciles horizontally to each other. Beyond race, beyond creed, beyond class, beyond gender. This means that when I am hurt, or I am offended by someone in this body, number one, I need to acknowledge that I've been hurt. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't, don't, don't try to tough it out. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of thing. Don't minimize it. Don't mitigate it. If you've been hurt by someone, acknowledge it yourself. They hurt me. But number two, in my opinion, is the next key response. 
is pray. Pray for that person. Because if our response isn't cultivated in an attitude toward the other, we will never find forgiveness. This morning, if I say one thing about forgiveness, then I want you to remember it's this. That the essence of forgiveness is to offer the offense and the offender over to God so they both can be healed. This is the gospel. That the essence of forgiveness is to offer the offense, your hurt, and the one who hurt you over to God so they both can be healed and restored. I know for too long I would operate in a space that I'd get hurt, I would identify it, and then I'd stew on it. I would sit and let it fester. You grow bitter, then you start you have assumptions about what they said or what they meant or what you think they meant. You get afraid, you get anxious, and then ultimately you break relationship with that person. We must, must this morning, church, if you hear anything, we must be willing to surrender our hurtness, our woundedness to God. And we must be willing to surrender those who hurt us to God. Trusting that he will bring about healing, he will bring about justice, not us. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, to do not take revenge, beloved, but leave room for God's wrath. God will bring justice the way he sees fit and we must trust to hand our offense and those who offended us over to him. Now I know this sounds can sound crazy because when I started thinking through this my mind immediately went to heinous crimes, right? You just we're used we're what the TV has trained us to just think of the absolute worst that could possibly happen. We automatically think of some of the worst things of abuse or murder or violence. But this morning, I think it would be cheap for us to start in that realm. This morning, I specifically want to talk about conflict between you and me. Between brothers and sisters in the church. Years ago at our church, we were preaching a series on on enemy love which is something that's really, really, really hard. Jesus says, love your enemies. Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. We live in a world that thinks we live by eye for an eye, but we really don't. If we think about it, the world we live in is, you, uh, you steal my cattle, I burn down your village. It's not eye for an eye. Eye for an eye is actually very just. You poke out my eye, I get to poke out your eye. That's it. Very just. Our world thinks we live eye for an eye. Jesus says, you've heard eye for an eye, but I say love your enemies. So we as a church have a fundamental, fundamentally different way of interacting with those who would harm us or hurt us. So we were preaching this series on, on, uh, on, on loving our enemies. And it came up uh, in conversation. We, we took a poll amongst people at our church of who are our enemies. And kind of depending upon where people were from or what political persuasion they came up with, they had all kinds of different answers. Some it was the Democrats, some it was the Republicans, some it was ISIS, some, you know, on and on and on. We all had a different idea of who our enemies were. Some of the most striking ones for me was when people went very personal and they said Barb at work. 
<laughs> it's something always related to taking the lunch out of the fridge, I'm not sure, but it was always very interesting uh, when Barb was the enemy. But as we're talking about that, it, it, you know, we, we thought, hey, let's, you know, let's go big. Let's, let's, let's talk about the, some of these big ones. So we actually talked about like ISIS. We talked about some of these radical wings of Islam. And so um, about three years ago, there was a group of uh, Coptic Christians. Uh, Coptics are part of the Eastern Orthodox tradition. The Coptic Christians, there was about, I think, 11 or 13 of them were captured and beheaded by ISIS. I actually made a video about it. This video was a message to the people of the cross, is what they called us. The irony is it was, it was supposed to be an insult, but it's actually, it's actually what we are. We're the people of the cross, people who take up our cross, knowing that one day we may be nailed to that cross. And so this, a group of Christians in the Middle East actually made a response video to that video. Now just so everyone knows, there's nothing graphic. We're going to watch it. There's nothing graphic in this video. Uh, just so everyone's aware. Uh, but we're going to watch this response of Christians who are actually in the middle of it, right? They're not watching it on news. They're in the middle of this. We're going to watch their response to ISIS capturing their family members and beheading them. I'm actually going to read it. It's, it there's, there's text. I'm going to read it for those who may, may have trouble reading. Uh, but we're going to watch that uh, right now. world is talking about you. Your apocalyptic dreams and spectacular sins are now awakening the Middle East. In your holy war, come to holy ground. Come, children of Abraham, come. The people of the cross gather at your gates with a message. Love is coming after you. Like a rush of wind raising over the Pacific, from the hills of the Mount of Olives to the desert mountains of Jordan, from the cedars of Lebanon to the silk roads of the east, an army comes, with no tanks or soldiers, an army of martyrs faithful unto death, carrying a message of life. Come to die at your gates. We won't hear our message with our words, but we will show you with our lives laid down. For every throat that you slit, for every woman that you rape, for every man that you burn alive, for every child you turn to dust, there is blood on your hands, brother. Come, brothers, come. Come with your blood-stained hands. Come with your eyes full of murder for the people of the cross. Come lay your guns and your knives at the foot of the cross. A love that is overdue and overwhelming breathes through your cities. For your sins are like scarlet. They can be washed white as snow. When you call yourself servants, he will make you sons. Where can you run from his life? 
even the darkness cannot hide you. Come, brothers, come. There is a sound of rushing rain. Remove every sin and bind every wound. You died for your God, our God died for us. The King of Kings comes to be the sacrificial lamb, slain on the altar where we should have been. Jesus Christ, Jesus Amasur, walks through the Middle East. There's forgiveness tonight, oh brother. There's healing for your sins, oh brother. We are no different. Apart from his blood, we're no worse than the worst jihadists. Christ has been crucified once and for all to make sinners like you and me and the brothers. Even you. Even now. Letter to Isis from the people of the cross. I remember the first time watching that just weeping and weeping and weeping. One to know what violence and evil that our brothers and sisters have been suffering, but two to know the ways that they have embraced the ways of Jesus that I don't think I ever could. This is the simple truth about forgiveness. Is that we can romanticize this. We can take the news clips of the people uh, in, the, in the Charleston church shooting where nine people were killed by Dylan Roof, right? And they offer forgiveness. We can romanticize that. There was a news clip about the, several years ago, the Amish school shooting. And the parents offered forgiveness afterwards. One of the mothers said that uh, basically the same thing when the reporter asked her, how can you forgive? How can you forgive so quickly? She said, don't you hurt? And it was her daughter that was killed. And this Amish lady basically said, like, how dare you say I don't hurt? Of course I hurt. I just know that God's the only one that can heal this. We can romanticize this type of forgiveness. And, and, and hear me this morning. This, I think this is what we have to try to shoot for. Absolutely. But we can romanticize this. But we cannot be deceived this morning. We cannot be fooled this morning. You will never forgive ISIS if you can't forgive your wife. You will never forgive ISIS if you can't forgive your kids. If you can't forgive those sitting in the pew next to you this morning. If you can't forgive your pastor. You will never forgive enemies who wish to do you harm the way Jesus commands, if we cannot forgive each other in these walls. If we are faithful in forgiving and reconciling in the small things, then, if God forbid, the really hard things come. We will respond out of a heart that has been formed and shaped by forgiveness. We won't carry that burden. At our church, before we come and take communion, uh, there's an old Christian practice called passing the peace. 
And so we actually offer a hand of peace to each other. And now some folks who come in and may not know what it is, just it's, it feels like greeting, right? Your greeting time. Hey, how are you, brother? Um, but it's, for us at our church, it's a vital practice because it, it, takes, it takes some time out of the service that if there are two people that need to talk, they can go talk before coming to the Lord's table. And so this morning, as we think about forgiveness, as we think about, I mean, good grief, as we think about Christians under dire situations offering those types of words, I don't think I ever could. As we think about that, I pray that what that does is inspires us here and now with each other. Inspires us as ministers, ministers to each other. Inspires us to seek reconciliation and peace wherever we can. We come into this space every week. Black, white, rich, poor, young, old. Left, right, left out. Every one of us beggars at the door of God's grace. Hoping just to help other beggars find some bread and some wine. I pray that Trinity becomes a place that learns these rhythms of forgiveness and reconciliation. That this would be a people, and I pray this right now, Lord, that this would be a people marked by forgiveness and reconciliation. This would be a people marked by your transformation, Lord. So when people come in, they don't, they might see a great band. They might see a, a cool preacher. They might see lights. They might see comfortable seats. But Lord, what they would know in their bones is that this is a place of love. This is a place of reconciliation and a place of belonging. Jesus, we love to be encouraged. But Jesus, sometimes we read your words and it's hard. Lord, you said hard things and people turned away. But this morning I hope that just like the disciples, Lord, when you ask them, are you leaving too? That we would say, like Peter, where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus, this morning... pray that your spirit would constantly empower the people of Trinity. Your spirit would fall fresh every moment, empowering them to love, to forgive, to lay down their lives for each other, for their neighbors, for their enemies. Jesus, you love Trinity. You love all those who walk in this door. And Jesus, I pray this will be a place that when we leave, we walk out changed. To empower your kingdom, Lord, to further your mission here on the earth, Lord, and to play a part of the restoration of all things. Jesus, let us be a people of forgiveness. We need you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for every good and perfect gift that you give us. In your name, amen.